Good morning. It's kind of it's kind of odd me standing on the stage, isn't it? I guess I'm gonna have to get used to it. Um, but if you will um, turn to me, turn with me in the book of Acts. We're gonna be in Acts chapter 26. Okay. Um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, I hope you do. But if you don't have one, um, you can let anyone know in, in the blue in the back, um, or let Sam know, and we would love to get you a copy. Um, I'm not sure if we have any on hand today, but we can get you one so you can come back with one. And uh, if you have one uh, on your phone, it's okay to look on that, but don't, be, don't, let, don't let me catch you scrolling through Facebook. I pray a curse falls on you, your thumbs fall off. Uh, but as you're turning, um, you know, something we talked about earlier is the faithfulness of God. And, and there's so much to tell you guys about how faithful he's been in this process to where if I kept sharing, uh, we'd be here all day. But you know, some crazy things that, that I love about our church is, is how it's one church in many locations. I love the fact that, that we are Connection Church Midland, but we have brothers and sisters that are Connection Church in Vidalia and Dublin and Stakesboro and Pooler and, and how we, we pool ourselves together and, and help in time of need and we help with different things. And, and there's a lot of stuff that's happened here that would not have happened if it hadn't been for other campuses pulling in and helping us. And John Irvin is a big help. He's not going to, he's, he's not going to accept any thanks, but thank you, John, for all you've done and um, helping us get this, get this set up. Um, but, you know, even the cool thing, those chairs you're sitting in, that we all pulled together, and that comes from our one-in-one um, account. And so all churches came together, pulled our money together, and bought these chairs, which is awesome. Well, guess what? The trucking company said they weren't going to be able to get here until next week. So John, John called him and he said, hey, that ain't going to work. And so the trucking company made a special delivery just to come and deliver them Thursday. Isn't that amazing? That's the faithfulness of God. Amen? And it's even the littlest things of stuff like that that shows me how big my God is. And often in the small things, we overlook him. Amen? And we overlook look the small things because and, and we're looking for this big thing. You know, and... I just I pray that um, that we don't we don't we don't despise small beginnings. And I got a little choked up at our ten o'clock meeting because I looked out in the in the in the congregation and, and I see so many people who God's changed your life. God's moved in your heart. God's God's redirected where from where you were to where you are now. God's changing you, and it's amazing to me to see what God's doing. It's God's faithfulness. And if he can do that in that old building, man, I can't, hear, I can't wait to see what he's going to do here. Amen? So, you know, talk about God's faithfulness. Talk about what he's doing. It, it, to me, it just gets me, it gets me jacked up. I was trying not to jump and, jump and dance right there because I knew Mr. Nick was short and he couldn't see the screen. So I didn't want to block his view. But, man, I was getting excited a while ago. And so I'm going to try to contain myself when I preach because I'm preaching out of Acts 26, and it's one of my favorite one of my favorite chapters out of Acts. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive into it. Father, we thank you again for your faithfulness. We thank you again for your goodness. And God, we thank you, Lord, for, Lord, I thank you for Josh, Lord, and him coming from Statesboro and leading us in worship this morning. I thank you, Lord, for, for just how you just anointed him to sing your praises. And God, I just pray that you just continue to use all of us in this room to reach our community. That it wouldn't be just about Sunday. It would be about every day. 
It'll be every day we're devoted to you. We're, we're, looking, at, we're looking to you. You're our, where our help comes from. And God, you use us to be your vessels of change to the community around us, at work, at home, at the neighborhood, at the football games. God, that you're moving in us and you're using us to change the world around us. So God, use us. God, I pray this morning that you would speak to us through your text. You would speak to us through your word. And God, we would leave here different than how we came in. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So Acts 26, we've been going through um, just talking about how, how God's been doing all these different things in Paul's life. How God's used Paul, and, and, and that's kind of what God's, every time I read the story of Paul, I told y'all last week, I can't help but go back to Paul's conversion. It just, it's so radically transformed his whole life. And I'm not going to preach on that this morning because I've done it two Sundays in a row, but, but you know, Paul's conversion so dramatically changed his life that it, it, it was like a launching pad to where he was going. And everything in his life, that was like the pivot point. That was the anchoring point of his whole life is when he met Jesus and seen who he really was and everything changed from that moment on. And so Paul seen all kind of junk. We, we think that our life is jacked up. We think that we have all these problems. And we think nobody understands. And we complain to God. But what I would love about Paul is if he complained about it, he didn't write about it. He didn't, he didn't tell us about it. He was, he, he was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. All these things happened to Paul. He was, man, people that was his, was his best friends growing up turned on him because of where he started standing on Jesus. And so as you think about those things, I think about what God's done, what he's doing. Man, it just, it, it makes me amazed. It makes me amazed at, at Paul, how he looked at opposition he looked at opposition as, a, as thankful. He was thankful for the opposition. He was thankful for the struggle because he understood. But through the struggle is where he was going to meet Jesus even more intently. Amen. And so Paul, going through all these things, he's, he's finally getting to a place where he's imprisoned, right? He's, he's got armed guards. He's going to trial for standing for Jesus. He's going to... All the Jews, have, they, finally, they finally caught him. They thought they had him figured out. They thought that it was done. They were fixing to get rid of Paul, and they were going to finally squash out the movement of Jesus once and for all. But yet, God keeps moving Paul in all these different places. And what I love about it is, is how Paul used every circumstance to proclaim Jesus. Every audience he had, he, he could have died, but he's like, I don't care. I'm going to proclaim Christ. Every area, that he, every place he went, every trial he was a part of, he proclaimed Christ. And he didn't care who you were or what, what, how awesome you thought you were. He was going to tell you the truth. Man, some of us need some more friends like that. Amen. I, I love that about Paul. And so Paul has now found himself in front of King Agrippa in, verse, in chapter 26. And now the Jews have already given give the case, right? They've already given their complaint about Paul. They've already told, this, this is what I have against Paul. This is what, this is what all he's done. They've tried to paint Paul as this horrible person. And then Agrippa in verse 1, chapter 26 says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. It says, So Paul motioned with his hands and began his defense. 
See, I, I love that part right there because, see, so many times we don't feel like we can defend ourselves, do we? So many times we, but what I love about what Paul did is Paul was quiet. Paul didn't just jump out and say, hey, this is wrong. Hey, this is wrong. I'm being wrong. I'm being hurt. I'm being abused. I'm being accused. He didn't say that. He just waited for the right time. Man, I wish somebody would have told me that a long time ago. So many times I'm so much shouting that this is wrong or that's wrong instead of when something is wrong, nobody wants to listen because I'm always complaining. Oh, y'all going to be quiet this morning. This is the first service, right? Because this sets the stage for everyone from here on out. Y'all better jump up and down in here. Y'all with me? And so Paul, he's finally get a chance to, he sat patiently and listened to people accuse him. He sat patiently and listened to people wrong him. And he knew what they were saying was a lie, but he sat patiently until it was his time to speak because he had confidence in who God was. And so Paul was able to talk. So Paul motioned with his hands and began his defense. Verse 2, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusers of the Jews, and especially so because you were well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child. From the beginning of my life, in my own country, and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify if they are willing that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisees. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are, hope, are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incre incredible that God raises the dead? And you know, when I read that, when, when I read this, this whole thing talks about, it's Paul's story. It's Paul's story. He's, he's, he's being accused of his walk with God, and now he's getting a chance to tell his story to King Agrippa. And as I read this, we're going to keep dissecting this chapter a little bit, but as I read this, there's power in your story. There's power in your testimony. Everyone in this room has a story. And maybe you're not, your story might not have a place in which you have met Jesus and given Jesus your life, but you have a story right now. And, you know, most things that cripple us as Christians is our pride because we're not willing to share our past with people that, seen us, that see us appearingly cleaned up. And I love what Paul does here. It's how Paul shares who he once was before he was Jesus. He, 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 didn't, he didn't just start right where he was at. See, for people to understand how, how much you love Jesus, they first have to understand how far you were from Jesus. Amen? And for a lot of us, maybe it's time that we go back and we remember who we were before we met Jesus. Because when you go back to that moment, that'll fuel you to, to be thankful for God. That'll fuel you to be excited about Jesus. That'll, that'll give you 
encouragement to share the gospel because you see how far you were from the will of God and what he's done in your life and brought you close to him. Man, that's awesome to me. And Paul right here just lays it out there. He's like, look, there's people in here from my childhood that knew me from way back. And, and, and you know, that was one of the things that, that really Satan used to try to talk me out of planting a church in my hometown. It's like, those folks know you from way back. I mean, there's teachers that are going to come and be like, I, I remember you in school. I can't listen to you preach. <laughs> there's going to be people who, who, who's, who's, who's like, I remember you at the bar. I remember you here. I remember you there. But see, the biggest thing is for us to be transparent of who we once were. Because when you're real with who you once were, they can't say anything. It's being humble. And who God's made you now is when we resist being prideful of admitting we were wrong. And so many of us can't face the fact of admitting that we were wrong. Admitting that, that yeah, we did jack, we were jacked up, we did screw up, we did make mistakes. But see, when you're honest with your mistakes, that gives you an opportunity to really embrace the future. And so many people, so many Christians are still hung up on the past for they can't grab on to the future. And Paul right here in front of King Agrippa, the most powerful man in the audience, lays it out there of saying, this is who I was. I was the most religious, I was the most religious person in the crowd. I, I knew the word more than anybody, but yet I pushed away Jesus for so long. I rejected Jesus. I opposed Jesus for so long. And you know, that gets me is that we can come to church our whole entire life and still oppose Christ. We can show up every single Sunday and go to church but still oppose Christ. You know why? Because you don't have a relationship with him. You're not walking with him. You're not talking with him. You may even read your Bible, but do you have a relationship with him? Because Paul read the scriptures. He even memorized them. He was more holy than anyone else, but yet he missed the point for so long. And I believe that's what he was trying to articulate to King Agrippa because King Agrippa knew the scripture. He understood Jewish tradition. So he was trying to let him understand that you can have knowledge and no heart change and still be lost. And that's what Paul was trying to let him understand. And, and you know what? As I read that, I began to understand that was my testimony too a little bit. I mean, I went to church my whole life. I, I knew the word of God. I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. But yet I chose to refuse Jesus and I lived for Jeremy. And I always went back. I always went back. Whenever someone would, would say something about, about my drinking or about my language or anything, I would say, I go to church. You better back up. I go to, I go to church every Sunday. I even go to Sunday school sometimes. I remember, I remember telling somebody, man, I went to church. I've been to church in my lifetime more than you've ever been, so you ain't got no right of, of saying anything about the way I'm living. We think that our attendance gets us to a level in which we can rebuke everybody else. And I want you to understand something. Me as the pastor of this church and you as a new believer, we are equal at the foot of the cross. There is no spiritual superiority at all with Jesus. But God may use me more than he uses you because I'm allowing God to use me and you're still hung on yesterday. 
See, when God started using me, I'm going to be honest with you, when God really started using me, it's when I swallowed my pride and started admitting my failures. I started really admitting my wrongs. You know, when I started being a good husband to my wife, it's when I started telling her, you know what, baby, I suck as a husband. I do. I don't love you like I should. Don't you amen that at all. <laughs> she, was, she was like, trying not to. I mean, until, until I could be honest with her and tell her, look, I, I don't love you like I should someday. Some, a lot of times I'm selfish. I want my time. A lot of times I go hunting instead of spending time with you. A lot of times I do this instead of, instead of caring about your needs. A lot of times I come home from work and I complain about all this stuff and I never ask you how your day was. Until I started allowing that to happen, I opened up that window of intimacy in which she could communicate to me and then she really knew that I loved her. See, until we, um, until we really come to the foot of Christ and come to the foot of the cross and we admit who we once were and we admit our shortcomings, we will never really have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And Paul, his whole life was driven by intimacy with God because he was not afraid to admit how messed up he was. Amen. Now, if next Sunday I told you guys that when you come in, you're going to be given a barcode, and, when you, and everybody would have a barcode, and when you came in, you were going to, when you sat down, you were going to swipe that barcode, and in the order in which you swipe that barcode, when I got ready to preach, everything you did last week is going to come through this screen for everybody to see. Who'd show up next week? Nobody. It'd be me and Sabrina. You know why? Because we're afraid to admit our shortcomings because we're so full of pride. And there's a lot of people who struggle with their walk with God, but yet they won't back up and let people in. And I love how Paul right here, he just right here, not just in front of King Agrippa, there was a room full of people. There was probably thousands of people right there. And when he was there, he laid it all out there for everyone to hear. I was messed up. I was jacked up. Anybody in this room perfect? Anybody? Come on, some of you, somebody had to hold your hand down hard, didn't you? Anybody? Anybody perfect? So we all are jacked up, right? Why don't we allow ourselves the freedom to admit that to God? Why don't we allow ourselves the freedom to come to the altar and just cry our eyes out of our imperfections and our failures and begging God to change us and make us better? Because our pride holds us back. And Paul gives us a great example of what it looks like to be a person who, in, in his story, in the beginning, he was jacked up, but he wasn't okay with that. Verse 9, he says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many at a time, I went from the synagogues to another and to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down 
in foreign cities. And so as you read that, it looks like Paul is even confessing even more. But what Paul was really doing in that section is he was relating to the people in his audience. He was relating to people in the room. He was trying to get them to understand that, look, we're, we're the same. I've done the same that you've done. We've done the same. See, when we're vulnerable about who we are and what God's done in us, let me, it begins to open up a door for we can be relatable to people. See, what happens is when we get saved and we start following Christ, people in the lost world, people that don't know Jesus, begin to think that I can never be like that because the bar sets so high. But then when you come in and you say, look, I once was this. I once was lost. Amen. But now I'm found. When you start sharing with them about my struggle, I was once addicted. Look, when you, if you were addicted to alcohol, if you were addicted to drugs, don't let that hold you back. You once were. Amen. Use that as a, as a, as to reach people who, who, who struggle with that. Because someone that don't struggle with that cannot reach the addict. Because they don't know how the addict feels. They don't know how, how, what, what affects them. But if you've had an addiction problem, you can, God, God used that bad stuff in your life for you to, as a launching pad to reach people in that same walk of life. Amen? If you had marriage troubles, be, be real about it. Share that with someone who also is struggling to give them hope because that's a part of your story. That's a part of your testimony. Amen? If you've had relationship issues, share it with other people so that you can be that rock that they can help, that, you can, that you, they can stand on in time of need. That's why he's called us to do this together. Amen? We're supposed to lean on each other. We're supposed to walk with each other. And so Paul was, was saying, look, all of them were casting shade on him. All of them were looking down on him. All of them were accusing him. And he pretty much was saying, look, I'm the, I was the same as you were. Like, I tried to, I've killed many a Christian, is what he was saying. I've, I've persecuted many of Christians. I've done all these terrible things. I'm right where you are. Trying to relate to people. See, in our story, we need to be able to relate to people. That's why you have your story. That's why you have your testimony. And no testimony is the same, amen? I'm thankful. Because when you're struggling through something, you think you're the only one struggling. Satan lies to you and says, nobody's going to understand. Nobody's going to understand. People are going to think that... That you're, that, you're, that you're crazy. Nobody's going to understand what you're struggling through. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to write. They, they're going to push you away. Satan tries to, to make you think that they're going to leave you. They're going to, they're going to call you some horrible name, or they're going to cut you out, and they're going to just push you away from everyone. But see, when, you're, when you see someone struggling through the same thing, and you come to them and say, look, brother, I've struggled with the same thing you struggle with, it gives them hope. But also it reassures him that Satan's been lying to him and, that, and that, that I love him and I'm going to walk with him through this because I understand what he feels like. That's why it's so important that we share our story with those that live around us. And Paul was showing us what that looks like in such an eloquent way. He relates to people. You know, you ever heard the, 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 the saying, I can show you better, I can tell you? Huh? My daddy told me that all the time, mostly when I was misbehaving. <laughs> but that's the reality. Somebody can show me the grace of God better than you can teach me the grace of God. And so many times we want to come, we want to learn, learn, learn. Let's, let's apply a little bit, and as you apply that, you'll start seeing God do more and more. Let me challenge you guys. For this week, why don't you do something out of the normal routine? 
because you know somebody in your life that's struggling. And why don't you share your story with them? Why don't you share where you were once in their shoes, but God changed it? Amen? Because they might need hope. And you might be the one God's calling to give them hope. But you got to be vulnerable enough to allow God to use you. And so Paul continues on as he gives his, gives his story to King Agrippa in verse 12. He says, one of these journeys, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell on the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Arabic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the gods. And then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you will have, what you have seen and will see me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Amen. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are, in, who are sanctified by faith in me. Man, I love that section there because what it does is it, it really just, Paul's, Paul said who I once was. Paul comes in and he says, I, I can understand where you are. And now Paul is telling, but God. But this is what Jesus did in my life, what he's telling him. This is what God done in my life. I, 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 was, I was hung up on me, but now I had this moment, I had this point. There was this fixed point in my life in which everything changed. And he's, he's articulating that to him. I want to ask you a question. Have you had that point? Have you had that moment in which everything changed in your life? Because if you haven't had that moment that you're just going through the motions, you haven't really experienced Jesus. Because when you truly experience Jesus, everything changes and you can't go back. And I know some of you are rolling your eyes because you're like, I've heard this a thousand times. I'm going to keep saying it. Because the reality is, until you truly let go of you and grab on to Jesus, you will keep on being the same you you've always been. But until you let go of who you are and you grab on to the hand of Jesus Christ, he will take you for a ride of your life. And he will change every aspect of your life. He won't just change your location on Sunday morning. See, Paul comes up in here, and he, he, he's just real. He's sharing where I once was, where I am, and how he shows that a part of a testimony, you can't have a testimony without a point in which God changes your life. And he's telling them, he's telling King Agrippa, look, I was headed to do the wrong thing. And then, praise God, I saw the light. Literally, he saw the light. And then he was blinded. By the goodness of God. And then God began. And after that, what happened was not only was he given, was he saved, but then God gave him a purpose. Amen? See, when you're saved, it's not just, hey, 
you get to go to heaven. No, there's a purpose that God saved you. He saved you to something, amen? And so he wants you to, to be his vessel to the world around him. And so he gives the purpose of Paul's life. See, when every one of us, when we were born, there was two things stamped on us. An expiration date and a purpose. Two things. And some of us are looking for the expiration date, but we don't care about the purpose. Because we just want to know how much longer we got to live for me. But in the moment you follow Jesus is in which you begin to hunger for that purpose again. In which you begin to desire for that purpose again. And I want to tell you, I, I, I realized that everything I searched for in life before Jesus was because I was looking for purpose. Everything that I was trying, everything I was involved in, every friendship that I had, all that stuff, I was trying to fill a void in my heart that I couldn't feel any other way. But then when I met Jesus and he began to put stuff in my heart and began to put stuff in me, I began to feel whole again. Yo, anybody understand what I'm saying? I began to feel like what's been missing in my life for 28 years, by God, now I have it. Now I'm feeling whole. I'm not completely whole. But every time I take another step toward Jesus, he fills me up a little bit more. Every time I take a little step closer to his faithfulness, he fills me up more. You cannot... Be whole in Christ without walking in the purpose of Christ for your life. That's why I preach every Sunday about the importance of us not sitting in a chair, but us getting involved in the mission because you can't really know the faithfulness of God unless you're doing the work of God. It goes hand in hand. You can't just show up to church and say, oh, God's good, and you don't rest in his goodness all week. See, Paul knew what it meant to be a man who was empty by religion, but when he got filled up with the Spirit of God, he began to live the purpose that God had planned for his life, and he was jacked up all the time. If Paul was in a service in which we were, he would probably be that man that was jumping up and down, cutting cartwheels in the front row. He would be that man that when worship was going on, he's shouting, praise you, Jesus. He would be that man that amens every sentence that the preacher says. Because he was so jacked up of what God had done in his life. See, God's given us all a story. He's given us all a purpose. But it's up to us to use our story for the glory of God. It's up to us to use the purpose of our life to the glory of God. You think, by, do you think, do you think that God gave you the talents he gave you for you to just make money with? Do you think he gave you the personality he gave you just so that you could make the friends you have? Do you think that he made you as pretty as you are? That was a joke. But do you think that he made you, he, you, you look the way you look for a reason? God created all of us for a specific task, for a specific reason. For us to use where he has us for the glory of God. Your profession is God-ordained. Where you work is God-ordained. For God, for you to be able to realize what he saved me from, and now my purpose is to proclaim his glory right here where I am. You may be a teacher. You may be a lineman at Planners. You may be a land surveyor like me. You may be, we may work at Plant Vogel. You may be, I don't know where you work. You may be a homemaker, whatever, but God called you to be the light where you are. When, when I, now, when I start praying with people who, who meet Jesus, the first thing that once, once they've accepted Christ, I'm telling them, now you need to be praying for God to show you who you can share your story with. 
And then as you share your story, the next thing I, I always, when I disciple someone is, is what's your purpose? Like, what, what what's, you think God's calling you to? What, where do you think your next step is? And so many of us never get the wholeness of what it means to walk with God because we just want salvation, but we don't want the work of ministry. And all of us are called to ministry, every one of us. But so some of y'all preach at different locations. And you don't preach with your mouth, you preach with your life. You preach with your attitude. You preach with your heart. All that starts with See, you won't see your workplace as a mission field if God doesn't have your heart. You, you won't see the classroom as your mission field if God doesn't really have your heart because it's real easy to get so caught up in the busyness of life in which we're just doing life instead of looking at every opportunity to give God glory. Amen? Because he's so faithful, church. He gave us these jobs. I, 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 told, I, I told Sabrina, it was so crazy. It was a conversation we had after I got, after we... Um, after I got called into ministry, I was so blinded to, to, what, to why I was where I was. See, I was a land surveyor. I ain't still am, but it, I was the youngest land surveyor in the state of Georgia for two years. By, by 20 years. Like the closest one that was youngest to me was 20 years older than me. God promoted me way faster than, than I had expected. I was in a place of leadership in which I was leading 20 other men that were old enough to be my daddy. That's not just, that don't just happen. I'm not telling you how great I am. I'm trying to tell you how good God is because I shouldn't have been there. And the whole time, you know what Jeremy was focused on? The money, the power, the position. Oh, I done made it here. I remember that somebody said I would never make it, and I was proving everybody wrong, and I was going after life with the wrong motivation. When I finally made it to the top, I was empty inside. And when I got saved and I started following Christ, and when God started enabling me to preach, that's when he started showing me, Jeremy, I put you here to give you the leadership skills to, to, to do the next step. But while you're right here, you need to be faithful where you are. And I began to witness. I began to, I, you know what I started doing? It, it's probably wrong. I don't know. It probably there's probably some kind of law against it. But man, man, when we had when we had year end reviews, guess what? You didn't leave that place until I told you about Jesus. All twenty five of them. We sat down. How's your relationship with God? They just looking at me. I'm the boss. What are they gonna do? Like, get get ah, uh -uh, sit back down. Uh, you want your check? Sit down. I'm gonna tell you about Jesus. I'm gonna force this in you. You know, but when I realized that, I had a passion. You know what's crazy is God, because of my position, God put me in lives of people who were messed up bad. And working in construction, it, 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 you, get, you get around a lot of people who have went in the wrong direction. But as I, as I began to walk with God through that, he used me in a lot of ways. I'm, I, there's a guy, I'm one of my best friends now. He contacts me right now. I led him to the Lord right there. One Friday afternoon when I was giving him, when I, we, were, we were doing employee reviews, there's a lot of people that I had a chance to, to, to win to the Lord that I would have never had a chance to do that if I hadn't have been in the position I was in. See, and Paul understood that. And he's trying to teach us through Scripture that our story and the power of our position and where we are in life is not just happenstance. It means in every stage of our life, we should be giving God the glory. Every stage of our life, we should be pointing people to Jesus because of the purpose in everything.
Paul is in chains and he's still serving God's purpose. Man, that's awesome to me. That's awesome to me. See, the power of a testimony is so amazing because that's what God did in your life. And a testimony is a tangible way people can see the hand of God. I was sitting down with a brother of mine this past Thursday and we were talking about things God has been doing in his life and, and he was talking about how he's been sharing his testimony with other people and when he was doing it, how, how people were just more receptive to him, how people just kind of loved him a little bit more in this difficult situation that he's working in. And as we talked about those things, it made me realize, like, when you telling people what God's done in you and what he's doing in, through you right now, it makes people realize that God's at work in your life. So guess what? It holds me accountable that I better start making sure that I'm doing right every day. Amen? Because you don't want to tell somebody how good God is and then you flake out tomorrow. Come on. Because one of the things that, that put me off for the longest was people that would, say, would be singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, on, on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. And them cussing him. Saying GD about lunchtime. And I'm like, man, that, that, that just ain't it. We need to make sure that we're really walking with God. And Paul knew that because he had encountered God over and over and over. See, he had that boldness to, to tell his faith. is because he had understood and he had walked in the faithfulness of God every single day. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It wasn't just, all right, here's my moment to shine. Here's my one time to tell the goodness of God in front of King Agrippa. No, he'd been telling the goodness of God to everyone, even the beggars on the street. You know what, what, got, what got me is one of the things is when, when I started starting to tell my story, I just couldn't shut up telling people. I couldn't quit telling people what God had done in my life. And it always, it would, it would always make Sabrina mad at me because we'd be somewhere, and then I would start telling people about our marriage struggles, and she's like, shut up. Don't tell nobody. I'm like, no, God's going to use this. She's like, well, tell it when I ain't with you. I promise I won't tell them how horrible you were. I promise I won't tell them. I won't tell them about how bad of a husband I was. But being real about that is so important. Because the world around us need to know his faithfulness. And Paul understood that in a way I don't think anybody else did. Verse 19 says this. It says, so then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. If you got a Bible, please underline that's right there. Verse 21. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day so that I stand here and testify to the small and great alike I'm not saying, I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and the Moses said what happened. That the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people. 
and to the Gentiles. And so Paul's life, after his conversion, it showed his faithfulness. His life, after his conversion, it showed that his conversion was true, right? His, his life matched up with what he said he encountered. Amen? It, it, was not, it was not just, I'm saying this. He says, I'm doing it, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm living it out, right? After we're saved, we desire to share our story with other people. After we're saved, we're compelled to love others so they would come to salvation. After we're saved, we see other people differently. See, Paul was sharing with King Agrippa about those things, but he's, what I love about it, he's, he didn't share, this is what happened, this is who I was, and this is when I met Jesus. He shared with him what I've been doing since I've met Jesus. So what have you been doing since you met Jesus, church? What have you been doing? I love this verse because he says, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. The way we live shows the change in our lives. And this is not popular. I want to be honest with you. This is not popular in the church today. But the reality is this. And I don't mean this in a harsh way. But I mean this with love in my heart. Is if your life does not back up what you say you believe, you have lied to yourself. Jesus did, not lie, Jesus did not die on that cross to save us from hell, for us to make a mockery of the cross on Monday morning. The responsibility of those of us who are truly following Jesus is for us to live for him tomorrow. It's for us to pursue him every day of our life. Not have this back and forth thing of, I'm going to love him today and I'm going to hate him tomorrow because I didn't get in my way. That You haven't truly had true salvation. True salvation is one who really knows Jesus and who stands in Jesus, who walks with him, who points, who doesn't waver, who keeps going. Yeah, we're going to have our bad days. But it doesn't change what happens in here. And we have a lot of people in the church today that's had emotional conversions, but not a heart transformation. And if you've had an emotional attachment to Jesus and he hasn't changed you from the inside out, then you are missing what true salvation is. And that's what Paul was trying to demonstrate to King Agrippa who knew the word. He's trying to demonstrate to all his people in the, in the, in the congregation right there that, that, that knew the word. He's, he's, his heart was for people to understand what true salvation was. And he was trying to show them through his life what it truly meant to be saved. And to truly be saved means that we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We, we, we commit our lives to follow him. And then... We show that we are saved by the way we live. Amen? By the way we pursue God. So we can't live outside the will of God and claim to be saved. Those things don't work out. And I believe that God's trying to call his church. And he's saying, it's time to wake up. We just sung that song, come and wake up, come and wake, come and revive us again. I believe God's wanting to revive some of you and make you realize that you've been asleep and you've been thinking that you're right with him, but your life has not backed up that. And, I, and I'm right with you because I thought I was saved my whole life until I truly accepted him and started following him. But 
I could preach a thousand different things this Sunday. But nothing matters if you don't get the elementary of what it really means to walk with Jesus. And when you truly surrender your life with him, guess what's going to happen? You are going to desire to tell somebody the goodness of God. And, when, and, and you're going to desire to tell someone what he's done in your life. It's just natural. It's inside. The Holy Spirit prompts you. So what are you missing this morning? What are you missing? We're in this new building. We're in this new place. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing to hinder us at all but our own selfish pride. So where are you with God? Church, where, what, what is your story? Really, what is your story? Does your story end? And I met Jesus? Or does your story end in, let me tell you what he did last night. Y'all with me? It's a progressive, it never ends. It's, his love never fails. It, it keeps going. The day I die, my testimony will not be, let me tell you what God did in 2018. I praise God that on my deathbed, I'm able to tell a nurse, let me tell you what God did in my life yesterday. Not go back to, oh, let me tell you when I was 32 years old, when I was truly following God. No, I'm going to follow him to the day I die because I cannot give up on what he's done for me. And that should be all of us. And when you are truly saved, you're compelled to live it out every day. And really allow him to do the work in you. See, every obstacle that Paul faced, was God was, refirm, was refining him. Every, every hard situation, God was using to change him. See, God may be using hard people in your life to change your heart, to show you how to love people that don't know how to be loved. God may be putting you in places where you're tempted to do something bad for him to... For you to choose, do you love him more than you love yourself? To exercise that self-control. See, everything that God puts in our life is for a purpose. The good stuff and even the struggle. And some of you have been blaming God for something that he's been using, been trying to use to bring you closer to him. And I wasn't planning on saying that, but that was for somebody. We all come in here every week with burdens that we aren't willing to let go. So as we listen to the story of Paul and that whole story unfold of how he shared his testimony and how his story was relevant and how he was a witness to King Agrippa, what's your story? Are you willing to share it? My question to you right now is, some of you are thinking, well, I don't know if I even have a story. If, you, if there's not that point in your life, I'm serious, if where you've not really said, I'm going to give God my life. I'm truly going to give him my life. I don't care how much Bible knowledge you have. If he didn't in, in the center of your life, you don't know him. So if you can't honestly say, I, I want to give him my life, I haven't, I haven't given him my life. If you really and honestly can sit here and look at the fruit of your life and say, I, I realize I'm not following Jesus, I'm just following me. And I want to give my life to him today. If that's you today, I want to challenge you to raise your hand. I just want to challenge you to raise your hand so we can pray with you, we can lead you, we can show you what your next step is, and we can walk with you through this. Anybody? 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 
And that leaves us who are here, who are saved, sanctified, and set free. Are you doing the work of ministry that God's called you to do? Are you sharing your story with those around you? Are you being vulnerable? Are you being real? Are you keeping your mouth shut when you should be opening it and telling people God's goodness and God's glory? Because I want to be honest with you. When you start opening your mouth about the goodness of God, people listen. When you start telling people how faithful he's been in your life, people's like, can I go where you're going? Take, don't leave me. Take me with you. And if everybody in this room right now would do that, let me tell you what's going to happen next week is we're going to have to buy some more chairs because people are attracted to what God's doing. So if we're not attracted people to God, then chances are he's really not doing anything in our life. We're hung up in our, in our own life. So what's God doing in your life? What's your story? That's what this altar is for. I'm going to pray. And when he starts swinging, y'all come. Let's stand. And let's do the work. Listen to God. Amen. Father God, we come to you right now and I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would loosen every chain of bondage in any person's life in this room. God, I pray against, Lord, the theory of religion in people's minds of thinking they've been to church and they're okay. God, I pray, Lord, for those of us in this room, Lord, that we feel empty. Lord, we wonder why, why we go to work. We wonder what's the purpose, what's the use. God, I pray that you would in, just invoke in us, God, this, this intense desire to serve you where you got us. I pray, God, that you would just move in us in a mighty way and let us be people who are vulnerable to share our stories. So, God, I pray that you would just convict us. You would show us what to do and how to do it. God, bring us to a place in which we lay our pride aside and we come to you, Lord. And, Lord, there's, I, know there's some, there's, I know there's some under the sound of my voice, Lord, that they've been so hung up on stuff around them that, God, they're not, they haven't been able to focus on you. I pray today that you would lift God, you would just lift that cloud that's on them. And God, they would feel your faithfulness. They would feel your goodness. And they would rest in you, Lord. So Father, I pray that you'd move in us today and you would change us in Jesus' name.